Meanwhile, in the marketing department on the 30th floor. All right, all right. Um, so what's next? Well, we have a non-threatening millennial male who sounds like he has a classy tattoo and uses hair prize. Great, great. Let's hear it. In these uncertain times, we remember, nothing is more important than people. Cut, cut. That's not bad. Can we hear it with music? In these uncertain times, we remember, nothing is more important than people. Now, more than ever, we'll get through this together. We're here for you. Not bad, but there's still something missing. Well, you see, the genius bit is that the overlay is a cute kid holding a little puppy while looking really, really sad. It's brilliant. When did we get that video clip? Oh, it's totally stock. We had it left over from the hurricane relief thing. That's perfect. I love that shot. Makes my kids cry whenever we use it. But it needs something else. What if we have them say, uh, stronger together a few more times? No, no, the script is fine. If it was good enough for Wells Fargo, it's good enough for us. Made everyone forget about that mess up in the boardroom, you know. And we tested it, right? What did the focus group call it? Um, uh, let's see here. The test subjects found it to be authentic and moving. See? See right there? Authentic and moving. That's great stuff. I want to use it. Hey, what if we use a woman? You, you mean to try it with a female voice? Um, right, that's what I meant. I got something right here. In these uncertain times, we remember nothing is more important than people. Now, more than ever, we will get through this together. We're here for you. Perfect, perfect, that's it. Send it to post and get it into the rotation on cable and social media right away. I love this whole caring narrative thing. It's really good for the brand. Can you send the intern out for a triple decaf soy macchiato? But you lied him off yesterday. Don't you remember? Social distancing and all that. Can't you just intern from home or something? Well, that's not really how it works. We're here for you. Welcome to the Jeff Effect. Everybody, this is Jeff again. Hey, listen, you know, I had intended a completely different topic, completely different content for this week's podcast, but I I got poked. And you know, you shouldn't you shouldn't just take you shouldn't you shouldn't wake a sleeping bear on certain topics because it just got my mind moving and then I couldn't think about anything else. And like many a day, I cannot move on to another topic until I fully explore, think about, and create a little bit of content on something that got me going. So for the first thing is, you know, let's talk about what spurred me to action on this crazy topic today. And it was an email that I received, an email that I received. And, I'm, and here's the thing, uh, in the podcast today, I'm going to mention the companies, I'm going to be mentioning specifics, real specific things. I'm going to quote real specific wording. And I'm going to be I'm going to really try hard not to be an internet troll on this because when I'm talking about something I'm critiquing, or I think that, wasn't, that was done 
poorly, I'm not going to mention the company's name. Oh, man. But if I'm thinking of something that's been done well, something that's been done well, I will share that company because they deserve a little bit of credit for it. And uh, so let's let's just dive right in. And the, the thing that got me going is something I'm not going to mention the company's name because it it just I think it's just a blatant a blatant example of everything that's wrong about marketing. So we are all going through you know we are all filled you know with with the crisis mode of the pandemic and COVID-19. And it's, it's so much of a cliche. I am trying to actually stay away from talking about the virus itself because everybody's talking about it and it's just crazy. <laughs> and instead I try to give people good advice. And so it, it's, it's so many people are doing communications and marketing wrong during this that I need to do a community service. I need to take and give free consultation advice I've advised my customers directly, but this is so bad. This is the potential, I think, to do harm long-term to your company and long harm long-term to our psyche. So I'm dipping in and doing a customer a community service, not a customer service, a community service and sharing a little bit of information. So let's start with a topic about crisis communications. Crisis communications and crisis marketing. There's actually a couple different types of this thing, right? There are crisis communications and crisis marketing activities that we do when the crisis is happening specifically to our company. That's one thing, right? That's a whole different scenario. Anybody who's been in a business which has had a data breach or has had a, uh, a server farm go down and create an outage in the technology world, anybody who's had some, if you're in the food business, if you've had a, a, uh, uh, some tainted uh, food mistakenly get out into the food supply, if you've, uh, uh, you know, your CEO has been caught with his hand in the cookie jar or some other place where his hand should not be, um, you are an ex- then you know that there's crisis communications and you've got to deal with these things. These are very specific, very, very localized. And, and that is a separate topic. I, I prepared detailed crisis communication plans for companies. Um, and this is not that. Uh-huh. Then you have things that are more uh, crises that are related to your communities, the communities that you serve and the communities that you run in. And that is a form of tri- crisis communications and marketing. And uh, that is, uh, you know, what's, what's, what's a good example of that? Okay, well, if you... Um, if you are serving, if you are selling fertilizer to farmers and there's a, uh, uh, you know, a blight on a crop in, in a segment of your marketplace, that's a form of communication that might exist that in, a, in a very localized or in one of your communities. If uh, one of your competitors is suffering a hardship and they're not necessarily a bad actor, they just have a hardship, that is a crisis uh, where communication might be necessary. You need to be very, very careful about how you do that and what you say and what you want to be perceived as saying. That's a, sec- that's a second type of crisis communication and crisis marketing. And then uh, there are the things like we have now, which are general major regional events or national events, or in this case, an internationally worldwide global event that's impacting just about everybody in some way, right? In some way, some everybody's being impacted. And what do you what do you say? Now, uh, in, in all of these things, I want to be clear. I have deep empathy, deep 
empathy. I have had the communications responsibility and the training responsibility for the communications and marketing teams to guide companies through problems. And it is, it's, uh, I want to use a foul word. I don't curse. I don't want to use a foul word. It is, it is a tough part, the toughest part of the job. But it's also one, I, I got to say, some of the best work I've ever done in my career you'll never hear about because the crisis was averted through a good strategy. So, uh, you know, and I hate to be cryptic that way. That sounds unfair, but it, it would be unfair to, to share that information in any other way than that. But I've been through the ringer. So when somebody has a minor misstep or minor faux pas, I am inclined to be forgiving, and I'm inclined to give plenty of leadway to, to companies that don't do it right. But this first example, what got me teed off today, and, I've, and I'm sure you're getting him too, tons of emails, tons of banner ads, uh, of people doing this wrong and actually, you know, looking like opportunists or looking or looking bad, they're trying to use this as an opportunity to, to reflect some virtue onto the brand. And I think that I think that's a that's a mistake. Although I have compassion for the mistake, it's not a flamboyant mistake. But what got me going today was a, what I call a flamboyant mistake. And I'm not going to mention the company; they've been around for a long, long time. But they've become pretty much a pay-to-play content company and a, you know, clickbait company. That's how they make their business. And the email I got today was advertising, accepting or seeking nominations for the new Pandemic Tech Innovation Awards Program. And and here's the thing, you know, when I read through this, and forgive me, I'm not going to mention the company, but this is just gratuitous. You know, this is not a long-term play for them. This, this particular pandemic is not going to last very long, but this is a company that just makes their, makes their money by clicks and by selling content to, uh, to the companies. So they have started a marketing effort to sell the crisis. And uh, this is my opinion. Uh, there could be some great people working for the company. I don't want to besmirch them. But my opinion is that this is, just a, this is almost a black hat practice. You know, they're taking up the airwaves, you know, selling content placement and going for the clicks. And they're creating uh, web pages, um, uh, major, a major push on their site to market into this crisis. And uh, they'll drop it as soon as the crisis is over. This is not, you know, there's not going to be, you know, you know uh, to the best of our knowledge, right? You, you know, we, we all assume that, you know, there's a, there's a bright side at the end of this pandemic. Maybe it's, maybe it's six months from now. Maybe it's a year from now. Maybe it's 18 months from now. But we all pretty much agree that at some point, you know, humanity, we humans have survived much greater health threats and safety threats than this. And we're going to survive this. We're not going to get by it. Come with me if you want to live. And uh, I just do not believe that this is a long-term investment, you know, by this company. It's, some, it's certainly something they haven't done previously. This is a, this is a, they are, ta- they're seizing on the opportunity to take and, and try to make some quick bucks based upon getting clicks. Because I got to tell you, anything pandemic or COVID related, that's clickbait today, baby. That's, that's what they've got. And they're trying to cash in on that. And I just don't think it's a good move. So, you know, um, and I started this, you know, the, the little, the little, uh, fun thing at the beginning, you know, that's, uh, you know, I actually recorded that days ago because I was just inspired. I'd heard so many of my own ears. I'd heard so many commercials with my own ears 
that uh, that I I just could just dash that off, and we just did, we dashed off that quick little fun content, and it was great. But in preparation for this recording right now, I'm recording to you right now. I'm sitting here in my my, my palatial uh, beachfront apartment here in Puerto Rico, um, drinking a glass of wine, and I'm sitting here and thinking, well, you know, I wonder if anybody else has noticed this. And sure enough, you know, people, everybody's noticing that, holy crap, major brands, huge marketing, but, you know, multi 10 million, $100 million marketing budget organizations are all producing ads. And you know what? They sound just like the ad, that little fake ad that we were at the beginning of this, uh, at this podcast. And it sounds just like it. In fact, you know, I, I, if you, you know, you're, uh, maybe you're on the treadmill or exercising or doing something else now, but if you get done with this, this is real easy. Just search for this phrase. Every COVID-19 commercial is exactly the same. I'll repeat that for you. Every COVID-19 commercial is exactly the same. You're going to get a whole bunch of answers. You're going to get an article in Forbes from a few days ago. You're going to, you're going to see a, somebody had compiled a bunch of them from major brands like FedEx and Facebook and and you know, just dozens of the biggest brands in the world all producing ads, and they're interchangeable. You could swap one for the other and just change the branding on it, and it wouldn't be any different from each other. And you know what? I, I think it's ill-advised. You know, they, 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 they went into production, and, and they've done these things, and does it, does it really work? And, and maybe, maybe I should put this to you in your own brain. You know, how do you feel, you know, when you know... When you know that Facebook's in the business of selling your personal data to the highest bidder, that's their business model, and uh, they put this the quiet music and the piano uh, crescendo up and down. You can almost hear it now, can't you? Can't you almost hear it right now? I know I can. And they say gently over the top, "We're in this together." You know, and they and can't you just do you just think any better about Facebook? Does it make a difference? Did it, did it benefit the brand? Did it reflect any, any virtue or sincerity upon a company that's in the business of selling personal data? I mean, did, did it do that for you? Sir, no, sir. Right? Um, what about you know, uh, included, you know, uh, similar commercials have been done by, you know, big companies like FedEx and UPS. And, and to be, you know, believe it or not, UPS especially, they are, they are cashing in. I, I was looking at the st- statistics today. It is absolutely the case that, uh, UPS deliveries are up, a th- you know, up a 25 to 33%, to a quarter to a third, you know, over, you know, since the start of the crisis, because people are ordering stuff online. The business has shifted from in-person to online, and UPS is just, they're just busy as crap. And uh, so when they come out and, you know, and we love them. And, I, and, and I, I don't want UPS to be mad at me, because you know what? I really love them. I'm glad that they're still delivering packages because I've ordered stuff that we need that I can't get out to a store to do, and they deliver it to my P.O. box, and everything's good, and I get my UPS delivery. But you know what? You know, the subtle piano music, and we're in this together, surviving this together, all that stuff. Does that have a positive, does that give them value? Should they be doing it? I'm not sure the answer is yes. I'm not sure the answer is yes. So, so in, when you're in one of these big crises, what do you do, right? And when you're in the communications and marketing business, um, people define their own terms, their own t- business titles different ways. So I'll let you pick the one for your best because sometimes these jobs fall to marketing. Sometimes they fall to communications. Sometimes they fall to PR teams. But, you know, the, the function in this case is the same. When you are in a crisis, 
what should you, as a company, what should you say? Well, you know what? It's really subjective. I think there are some things, there's some examples out there that we have that can give us something intelligent to think about. And let me give you an example of that. And here's a company that's doing it well. And it's U.S. Bank. Now, U.S. Bank Corp, I don't own stock in U.S. Bank Corp. I have a few accounts there. And it's because I have a few accounts there, not, not that I want to play favorites to them, but that I'm receiving their communications. And so what are they doing? Well, they're doing a lot of things, and it's all on brand. And it's all relevant to my relationship with them as a company. And so I feel value in those. So I've received emails, and the emails are informative about financial matters. They're informative about how to take and make sure that if you're, if I'm, if they say, if, are you waiting for your government stimulus check? How, here's how you make sure, because here's how you make, get a direct deposited to your account. Here's, here's some links and resources to track the progress of yours. Here's how you can apply online. Here, if you get a check and you can't go to the bank, here's what you do. And, and it's information specific, that it, it, it's helpful. It's COVID pandemic and economic related. It's all in that mix but it also is on their brand. It's spot brand to them. I'm looking to them for things to do about a financial matter. When I log into the app, I, I use the app, you know, as many of us do. I do a lot of online banking. And uh, my customers pay me online. So I'm, on, I'm in my, that, those apps. Either it's on my computer or on my phone. I'm in those apps all the time. And their app's a pretty good one. And there's a simple, everything looks the same, but there's a brand new simple alert. He, Click here to track your government payment. And you click on it, and it takes you to a dedicated in-app page that gives you resources to find your payment. Now, sometimes that's unsatisfying because you track your payment, and, and the information, the answer you get is that it hasn't been sent yet or that they're still checking things out or yada, yada, yada. But the point being is that they're communicating with me directly, but it's spot on because it's not cloying. They're not in there trying to say that, you know, we are close buddies and that we're going to hang out and uh, have a barbecue together after this thing's over. They're not saying that. They're not trying to give me information about health, although health is relevant. I'm not looking to them for health information. That would be, that would be I, would, I don't want health information from my bank. I don't want that, all right? I want health information from other people right? I want health information from health professionals. These people are financial professionals. They're giving me information about my finances. And that is what makes it a good general crisis communication. They're giving me information related to them. Somebody else who does crisis, uh, you know, communications and actually activities really, really well, I think is, is a good example. This is Budweiser. I haven't heard anything from Budweiser. Maybe you have. Maybe I missed it. I'm trying to be, I'm, I'm pretty aware for ads and advertising, but I don't drink a lot of beer, so maybe I'm not in their target market. Maybe I'm not being micro-targeted for their ads. Um, but I can say that, you know, during hurricanes and major crises, they, they actually turn plants on and, and bottle purified water into beer cans. And that's just something they do. <clears throat> and, you know, they, they publicize that. They don't over-publicize it, but they certainly take some good footage out of it. And uh, yeah, make sure that they get uh, that's a little bit of credit, but they don't over-publicize that. But that is something directly, it's on brand, right? I mean, you know, spirit production, it's, it's basically, you know, half of the business is water purification, 
one way or another, that's half the business. And they put sterilized fluids into bottles and cans. That's what they do. So it's something that is on brand for them. It's relevant to them. And I think that the, the things that miss the most are the things that are off-brand, that feel clickbaitish. And Let me give you another example. I, I, I subscribe to just about everything because I think I get uh, all the emails. You, there's, somebody said that there's like a six trillion emails a day that go around the world, and, and I get five trillion of them. Mm. Um, and it, it's a burden, but I, but I do it for you because I love you, and I get to keep track of the pulse of what's going on in the country. But in all my emails, right, and I got one that, you know, that it's this, it, and it's from a, you know, a technology marketing company, and it talks about the businesses that are going to thrive in the, the, the career-jumping things you can do, get a better job from the crisis. It's from a marketing company. And, and they're not an HR company. They're not a LinkedIn. They're not, they're not AD, ADP or Paychex. You know, I would expect maybe something from them, something on brand for that. This just feels cloying and it feels clickbaitish and it says okay well what are people searching for uh you know oh uh, we just we just looked out on google and our google analytics and we found that uh, one of the top 10 search criterias um in the in the world right now is uh, you know jobs that will perform well during the covid crisis oh let's do content on that and you know what a lot of a lot of businesses do that i mean that's that's the that's what they just do they they're looking for whatever's trending and that's what they produce their content on it. And, you know, but, and, and okay, I think it's a little cheesy. And I think that, I think that content and marketing should be more on brand, but we tolerate that. And most people we don't see as a black hat practice, but if you're just doing it to get clicks, you know, and you're a marketing company that helps people do marketing and uh, uh, you're, t- you're telling them how to change job. What do you know about changing jobs? What value can you bring? You can't. I noticed the authorship on these things is the same same people who author the SEO articles I get from the same company, the same same authors that uh, create the you know the content marketing articles that I get from the same company, same authors, but now they're writing about giving you career advice. Career advice. Why? Because they think you're going to make a click. These people don't, don't know anything about career advice. They, they, and then you read the article, and it's, it's really just, you know, uh, you know, about 675 words worth of, you know, no information. Uh, it doesn't really helpful. But they got you to click. And in this case, they got me to click because I'm, I'm looking. I was actually looking because I was kind of amazed they were sending me that information. Is that what they should be doing? I don't think they should. I think it's, I think it's whoever's formulating that strategy is not paying attention they, they're not, they don't have their, their finger truly on the pulse. Um, another one, um, they, they, they talk, they, their headline is launch a new e-commerce site in just 12 weeks. <laughs> just 12 weeks. Well, the first thing is, is that's not really helpful. If, you're, if, you, if you don't have your e-commerce site set up now, 12 weeks ain't going to help you. But 12 weeks, I can guarantee you, is there, you know, in their mind, sounds fast. But I got a, I got some news for you. I can I can get an e-commerce site up, a basic e-commerce site set up in a couple of days, with all the tie-ins, the accounting packages, and everything else. I mean, if you really need to get an e-commerce site set up, but they are marketing their products and services. That's what they they want to do those attachments, and they want some customers who are panicked to get on e- online fast. 
so it's on the edge. It's on brand for them. I get that. It's something they know a little bit about. They're doing, you know, larger company and enterprise. You know, that's what they're going for, larger company enterprise, e-commerce. I get it, but it's a little bit self-serving as well. I think that I think that it'd just be more helpful. I think that I think that when I'm looking for, and maybe you know, decide for yourself. But when I'm when I somebody's sending me content during a during a hurricane or you know a major disaster or an earthquake, you know, or like we're doing right now, the pandemic, I want the information to be helpful first. I want them to be looking into my soul to the best of their ability and trying to give me what I really, really need. I want that first. And if you don't have something that I really, really need, I don't want you to be talking to me. Right? And, and I know it's tough, but see, here's the thing. I've, I've got deep empathy. This is where I come in. I've been in these positions. These company, a lot of these companies need to keep selling things, and they need their stuff to rise to the top. But some, some of it feels like this. It's like, you know, you have the, uh, hey, we you know, to welcome to the, we, you know, in honor of our veterans, we have our Veterans Day 20% off sale, all mattresses, you know, starting, you know, at 1995. And, you know, it's, it's using a, it, it's, it feels, it's always felt a little bit cloying, when people use Memorial Day and Veterans Day as opportunities to have promote promo sales, that's always felt odd to me. I mean, it's it it works, yeah, it works. It's always felt odd to me. Using crises to do that feels even odder. Odder, more odd. What's... What? What did he say? No, we'll correct that in post. So, what's my advice on this? If you're, your communications, if you're a normal company and we're in the middle of a crisis, if you are not on brand and directly related to something that is a direct response to the crisis, that's not directly helpful information, right, your customers probably don't need to just have a customer service PSA. They probably don't need that. They're being overwhelmed with all the news and with all the other stuff that's flowing around. What do they need to know? They need to know what your customer service hours are. They need to know how this is impacting their relationship to you as a business. Tell them that. Tell them that. You know, um, I think that uh, State Farm is doing a really good job right now, too. They're, they're communicating regularly about, hey, you know what? We are discounting. We're giving, we're giving refunds to our automotive customers because people aren't driving. There's just not a whole lot of accidents going right now. So that extra profit, we're going to be returning it to our customers on a, on a per share basis. Here you go. Holy crap, that's spot on marketing, right? And spot on brand. And you know what? It costs them money. And you know what? I'm looking for an opportunity to do business with State Farm now in my back of my brain because of that action. It's on brand. It's not just a sale. They're not, they're not trying, it's not unrelated. It, they've tied it in directly. That, we, the direct tie, just look for this direct tie. We, we, in all your communications with your customers, look for the direct thread. There's, the best communications and marketing in a general crisis is this. You have a business and you have a customer. There's a crisis in the middle. And there's a thread of some sort of thread of value or interaction between you and the customer. Right? Talk to that. Speak to the thread. In this case, State Farm is saying, 
hey, we sell car insurance, you buy car insurance, and we charge you a rate based upon our risk, how many losses we have at a given time, and we want to make sure that we make a profit on the difference. And the, the message they're delivering is this, we don't want to make extra profit because of a crisis. So the difference between the, the losses we would have normally had and the losses we actually have now when nobody's driving, we're going to return a, a, at least a portion of that difference back to our customers in the form of a rebate. Boom. That is spot on. I don't see a downside to that. It's directly related to the customer. It's directly related to your service to that customer. And it, and it, and it makes sense, right? It makes sense. What U.S. Bank is doing with me, they're, not get, they're talking about my relationship to them. They're letting me know the, the hours of their banks are open, the, what the policies and the sanitation procedures are in the banks. And it, by the way, if you're waiting for a wire transfer from the federal government, here's how you get it. Here's how you track it. Here's some extra information about it. Boom. If you're looking for an SBA, an SBA emergency loan, crisis loan, this is what it means. Here's the information. Boom. There's nothing in their messaging that's not related to them as a brand and my relationship to them as a customer. And this is the best type of communication and content marketing and communications and mess all the things that we're paid to do so well. This is the best stuff. If you're lo- uh, and you know what? Your customer, in my, I've, I have the faith, I've just been through this enough times. I have faith that customers will reward you in the long run if that's what you do. If it ever looks or it appears that you're cloying a little bit of extra cash, if it looks like you're trying to profit from the crisis, it's a problem. What else do I want to talk about on this, on this, on this particular matter? We're sorry. All circuits are busy. Please try again later. That was a brief pause while I cleared my throat. Um, and I see a lot of people giving advice on marketing into the COVID world. Or how to market in this pandemic. And it covers everything from your advertising, display ads, to your email marketing, and all those such of things. But let's just, let's just be clear about this. If you have a product or service that's directly related and directly helpful to the customer, again, for me, during a crisis, things are a little bit different. I've given this advice many, many times. So I'm going to take a step back. Let me take a step back for a minute. If you're in the marketing business, right, and part of your job is email marketing, and, and, it, and if it's not, it should be, um, if you understand email marketing, you know that you know the more emails you send, the bigger you know the more you annoy people. Quite frankly, you need to have a balance. <clears throat> you have a balance, a flow, um, a cadence of your emails that keeps your unsubscribe rates low, keeps the customers happy, gives them real information, and doesn't really annoy them. But that changes. Let's say that if you're in the consumer products business. The, the, the Christmas season, but the period between a week before Thanksgiving to a week after New Year's, that period of time, it's about eight weeks, right? Almost. Seven, seven to eight weeks. That period of time, every, all the rules about email marketing change. And it changes this way. If you are in the B2B business, 
or you are in the information business, uh, like you're selling subscriptions or you're selling, you know, you know, your newsletter or you're selling, you know, your podcast or whatever you're doing, you're not going to get anybody paying attention to it. You're wasting your emails. The, the open rates, you know, go down. The conversion rates during that period go way down because people are, their, their mindset shifts. So smart companies, you know, see, use some seasonality and they, and they dial back their emails during that period. But if you're in the consumer products business, if you're selling anything that can be remotely identified as a gift, from dish sets and kitchen towels to wine glasses and do-it-yourself art kits to toys, if you're selling anything like that, your life changes. Where you might be an aggressive marketer of children's toys might send a, a bi-weekly email during most of the year, and even then that's pushing it. During that eight-week period around the holidays, you can, send an, you can send five emails a week and it might not be enough because people want them. They're in the market for, they're in the market for that stuff. And so they want them. So there's a seasonality to it, right? So you change your marketing, your email marketing strategy based upon the seasons. And, and there's exceptions to every rule. And somebody's no doubt going to tweet me, direct message me and say, Jeff, you're nuts. I'm crazy. I do this and it's completely different. You don't know what you're talking about. I'm talking about the stats I look when you look at the big analytics, the stats that work overall. Your results might vary. Um, so the same thing is true, in my opinion, during major national and international crises. And this is a global crisis, and these don't happen very, very often. National crises happen more frequently. But during those I think that the best branding strategy for most companies is to dial it back a notch. And, and that's not a popular thing to say. I think you need to stay in front of your customers. But I think their mindset changes. So just like during Christmas for a consumer products company, just like during Christmas where their, a customer's mindset changes and they're not going to feel offended or they're not going to feel frustrated by getting an extra email from you. Because they need gifts. Everybody needs gifts that time of the year. And you're giving them opportunities to every time they think of somebody they forgot from their gift list they need to take care of. They need the next thing to do to click on. They may even thank you for it. Their mindset changes different times of the year. This is true in my opinion now. I think that customers, you know, don't want to see that much from you unless you have something for them that's really of value to them. If you are just give, if your product or service is not related to their productivity or working from home or, or finances or getting masks or keeping your family fed, if you're selling something else, you might just be hurting your brand a little bit. I just want you to think about that. Because some of these emails I'm getting, guys, I think you're hurting your brand. It just feels like the wrong way to go. Anyway, others may disagree, but I found that many times others are completely wrong. Feel the Jeff effect flow through you. Help you it can. So that's that. Um, I've got other content coming. Um, I've got special content coming specifically about social media and uh, how technology companies just kind of suck at branding and, and marketing as a rule, especially when they're small, and why that's the case. Uh, and that's what I intended to do today, is to get that podcast done. But 
this jumped out at me, and it's a little bit more timely, so I wanted to get that out. If you've got any questions about that, oh, first of all, you know what? I've made this really easy. If you want to, uh, you know, share this podcast, or you know, or you want to go see the website, or listen to other podcasts, or read the transcripts of the podcast, because usually within four or five days after each podcast, I post the transcripts. Where do I post the transcripts? On the podcast website, and that's the JeffEffect.com. But I've made this so freaking easy. Um, you can type jeffeffect.com. You can type jeff-effect.com. You can type thejeffeffect.com. You can type jeffhardy.com. You can type jeffreyjhardy.com. They'll all take you to the same place. That's right. The center of smartness on the internet. The Jeff Effect Podcast. That sounded pretty smarty. Anyway, so uh, so check that out. Make sure you uh, take and you subscribe to this feed so you get notified when I release new content on this podcast. You'll note that there's no commercials. You'll note that there's no way for you to give me any money at all. I do that on purpose. Uh, but it would be helpful if I wanted to ask one thing. If you could take and uh, leave a review, check that you like it, share it with some friends, That'd be nice, and I'd feel warm and fuzzy, and uh, that's pretty much all I'm looking for. Oh, nice. The rest of it is free for you. Very nice. That's it, guys. If you have any questions, you want to know more about this, DM me on Twitter. That's still the best way. Or fill out the handy content form on the JeffEffect.com website. Talk to you soon, folks. Bye for now. That's exactly right. Let's keep it going. <laughs> <laughs>